welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Sit back and enjoy stories and insight from sports icons from all over. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Touchdown Bombers! Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Today's guest is analyst for Raptors basketball on TSN, as well as March Madness basketball analyst for TSN as well. His nickname is The Coach. It is Jack Armstrong. Jack, thanks for joining me on today's episode. I'm really glad to talk hoops with you, and I know that it's a really exciting time in Toronto with the Raptors being back in TO for this 2021-2022 season. Hey, Matias, it's my pleasure. Excited to be on with you. And, uh, you know, just a lot of fun uh, to be back in person, uh, calling games in person and having the experience of, uh, you know, interacting again with fans. And uh, the whole the whole experience is just wonderful. Uh, So, uh, you know, it it was a difficult year last year for everybody with the team having to locate to Tampa. Uh, They made the best of it. And uh, now it's great to have them back. And uh, they got an exciting young team uh, with a lot of potential uh, and their best days are ahead of them. So uh, it, it's, it'll be a fun ride. It'll be a little up and down and twists and turns. It's a young group, uh, but nonetheless, very exciting. The Raptors have had their ups and downs over the last decade with pre-Messiah Jury era when Brian Colangelo was the GM and then Messiah Jury came and then they finally started to make the playoffs, stringing together consecutive appearances before finally culminating with an NBA championship in 2018-2019 when Kawhi, when Kawhi Leonard was traded to the Raptors. But now the Raptors have reset a little bit in terms of, like you mentioned, leaning towards their youth with the super young and exciting Scotty Barnes leading the way as well as the rest of the company, Chris Boucher still in there, Delano Balton, and all the guys for the Raptors are really pulling it together to make for what's been an exciting beginning of the season, despite some ups and downs. What are some of the things that you've seen positives for the Raptors through the course of the early part of the season? Well, first of all, Fred Van Vliet. I think if you look at him right now and then you compare him to what Kyle Lowry was doing at the same age, uh, it's pretty comparable and it's pretty impressive. So uh, just to, you know, obviously, you know, you worry about losing a a franchise iconic type of guy in Kyle Lowry and and what that void's going to be. And Fred Van Vliet's been great. Uh, OG Ananobi has taken another major step as a player. I'm really impressed with, what he's doing, um, just his maturity, uh, his polish in terms of reading situations, passing the ball, being able to create, shoot. Um, he's a stellar defender. Uh, so those are two guys that are returning players that you look at and you go, wow. Uh, then, you know, they acquired Gary Trent Jr. during the season last year. Uh, he's done a fabulous job on both sides of the ball. He's been a, a an incredibly uh, disruptive, intense defender. Uh, he's doing a great job offensively, you know, getting his shot off and finding shot opportunities. He's a good player and a good young player. Uh, and then I guess, uh, you know, obviously you mentioned um, Scotty Barnes, Delano Banton. Uh, man, 
you know, and, and all the hype's been about Scotty Barnes, but Banton, I tell you what, he's a steal in the second round. He's going to, he's got a chance to be a very good player down the road. And uh, Scotty Barnes has really impressed me with his maturity, his polish, uh, his know-how, how to play. He passes, he sees the floor. Uh, he's just a fun uh, player and he gets on the glass. He defends. Uh, he's got a lot of versatility in his game, and uh, he's just scratching the surface right now. So kind of like a, a young pup, you know, he's just uh, uh, he's still kind of figuring it all out. But I like the fact, uh, Teo, that they uh, they have thrown him in the deep end and made him have to uh, play major minutes and develop quickly. And I think it's going to help him and help the organization long term. With guys like Banton and Barnes, it's interesting that history seems to repeat itself. There have been a lot of comparisons made between Barnes and Vince Carter in terms of how exciting they are and the flashes that they've had of brilliance early on. And for someone like Banton, the Raptors have seen a very multicultural array of international players come through the organization, as well as a few Canadians but not many marquee Canadians through the course of franchise history so far. So with someone like Banton being locally from the GTA, it's interesting to see how that might develop in terms of intertwining with where he's from playing for Toronto and also being able to be a rising star. Would you say that he's one of the most exciting Canadian players that you've seen come through the Raptors in terms of his early on the early on part of his career? Well, you know, obviously, uh, you know, they got Jamal McGraw late in his career. Uh, obviously, Chris Boucher and Ken Birch, you know, different stages of their career. So it's a different thing because he's a draft pick. Uh, he's a Toronto kid. Uh, he grew up going to Raptor games, uh, Rexdale and all that. So it's a different vibe altogether. Uh, so to me, he's uh, he's intriguing. It's funny. I called... Uh, his high school all-star game, a bio-steel all-star game a number of years ago. And uh, Lou Dort, who plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder, was in that game as well. And uh, But when I watched Banton and I, and I heard that he was going to Western Kentucky University, I'm like, wow, that's a steal. I mean, this guy's a high major player. And then when he transferred to Nebraska, I was still like, you know, Nebraska is kind of a respectfully more of a secondary big Big Ten program uh, in basketball, uh, I just felt that he he had a much higher ceiling and uh, had great potential. So he's exciting. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a high-risk, high-reward player, uh, you know, but he sees things. He's got great vision, uh, pushes the ball up the court quickly, can finish at the rim. He can guard. Uh, he's got to be a little uh, better with the ball, but that'll come. Uh, but to me, I, I think he's, you know, in terms of protecting the ball, but I, I think that'll all come. Uh, but I, I like uh, his makeup and his personality on the floor. He's fearless. And, uh, you know, then you mentioned. It's interesting. Uh, he, he reminds me a little more of a Tracy McGrady than he does of Vince Carter. Uh, and I, you know, I've been with the Raptors 24 years. So I got to see Tracy when he was, with our Raptors and uh, this kind of like uh, he can, he can impact the game on a number of different fronts. And um, so they're both fun uh, to watch. And I'm really excited to see how the journey uh, kind of happens and how, how they kind of, 
have their growing pains and, and all the challenges that come with it. And But they strike me as two very mature young men who are bright uh, that will kind of figure out uh, how to, you know, adjust and get better. And to me, uh, when I watch them play, uh, I'm, I'm really impressed by just how they've uh, adapted to the moment and they're they're right in there and they're fearless. Your nickname comes from the experience you've had with coaching in your home state of New York and being able to provide insight and analysis on the young players of the Raptors, as we've mentioned earlier so far with seeing how the potential that these guys have to develop may turn out really comes to just being able to see some of those intangibles sometimes from the coaching experience you've had. And with having been one of the youngest NCAA division head coaches, the youngest ever at the time when you were first hired is really interesting because there's not many people that get an opportunity to be a part of a program and be the head lead on the court of a program at such a young age. What was it about your instincts and your characteristics that allowed for you the opportunity to be an NCAA head coach at a very, very young age? Uh, I, I would say I got lucky. You know, I'm, I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much because I think I did get lucky. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, the boss that I worked for uh, was let go. And uh, here I was, the lead assistant, and uh, we we're about to start practice in less than two weeks. So it just happened to be, you know, circumstantial that they said, well, you're the lead assistant. All right, we're going to name you the head coach. And I had the support of the players. And uh, thankfully, my administration was very supportive. And um, my one thing was, though, I said, I'm not doing this unless you give me at least a two-year contract. I'm not going to be a lame duck. Uh, because it's a hard way to coach. So I had a two-year guarantee. So if, if after the year they didn't want me, uh, I was still going to get paid another year. Uh, so to me, that, you know, having a little conviction and saying, hey, look, I'm your guy and I'm going to prove it. But uh, up front, I want you to know that uh, I, want, I want you to have my back. And uh, so they did. And then after that year, I ended up signing a four-year contract. Uh, so to me, it was, um, it was a big deal, uh, having the opportunity to do that. I was a high school coach. I, you know, coached my own team in high school. I was an assistant at Fordham university in New York for Tom Penders and Nick McCarthy. They were great coaches to work for. Uh, they also had a JV program at the time at Fordham and, uh, they made me the head coach of that. So while I was an assistant working for them, uh, they also had a, another, pro- so I had head coaching experience. And uh, I think that's really important to have, to be able to stand in front of a room, uh, be able to make decisions versus suggestions. And uh, I, th- I always encourage guys uh, to try to get as, uh, as quickly as possible, coach your own team, uh, because there's that, that six-inch difference is dramatic. You know, well, moving from one seat to the other, is dramatic. And uh, there's a lot, everyone's hanging on every word you say. So it was a great opportunity for me. Um, I had a, uh, you know, I coached two years of high school and 14 years at division one. 
uh, NCAA basketball, uh, nine of those as a head coach. So uh, uh, I feel very fortunate. Now I've been with the Raptors for 24 years. So uh, it's been a tremendous ride. And I always say this, I can't thank that orange ball enough. You know, I had a love affair with that ball when I was seven years old. Here I am 51 years later. I grew up playing basketball in Brooklyn. And uh, here I am. And that ball has given me two careers. Uh, That ball has given me some of the great friendships, relationships, moments in my life. uh, Because it all started with a love affair of that ball. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, you, you played football in college and you know what that means, that that brotherhood that you develop with your teammates and your coaches and uh, people in the program uh, that you, it, it just, you can't find that in business. You can't find that in a lot of walks of life. So I'm very grateful to the game of basketball to have that opportunity. While you were in college, you were studying history and you are one of four boys while your other brothers were doing everything they could with their ambitious outlook to achieve as highly as possible in the working world. And for someone like yourself, just doing history, it seemed that there were some questions as to what were you going to do with history besides maybe talk about the war of 1812, but you mentioned this love affair with basketball, just an orange ball can change your life forever. When was it that you knew basketball might be something that can take you farther than maybe what you were thinking before? Or was basketball something that you were thinking of helping take you to the next step of what you wanted to do after graduating from university? You know, all I ever wanted to be was a high school coach and a history teacher. I thought that was like the coolest thing because I respected my coaches and I, and I loved uh, social studies and history. They were my favorite they were my favorite teachers. They were very enthusiastic and they were great teachers. So that's what I wanted to be. And my brothers used to bust my chops. My oldest brother became a, a hospital CFO. My second brother's an aeronautical engineer. My third brother's a very successful entrepreneur. So they used to bust my chops like, hey, man, what are you going to do with a history degree? You know, and, and all that. Well, you're going to be a high school coach. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's what I want to be. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, but I loved it, you know, and, and, uh, so to me, uh, probably the moment when I knew like, man, I got a chance to do something in this business. I'll never forget, uh, Tom Penders, who was a great coach at the university of Texas, but I worked for Tom at Fordham and Tom is going, actually, uh, we're taping this interview on Thursday. Uh, Tom Penders is going into the college basketball hall of fame. Uh, on this Sunday in Kansas City, and I work for Tom. And, uh, you know, I've been reflecting a lot about it lately because uh, the honor that he's getting, and I'm so happy for him. Uh, but he, uh, after my second year at Fordham, uh, you know, I was interviewing for other jobs because uh, they didn't have a graduate assistant position there, uh, an opportunity to get your master's degree. Uh, and I wanted to be a full-time assistant as well, get out on the road and really spend time, a ton of time recruiting. And right at that point, I was kind of the young assistant on the staff at Fordham. So I'm working Villanova basketball camp, the Hall of Fame coach, Roley Massimino was, uh, so I'm out in, on a, in a morning at a camp, you know, working with guys on shooting, passing like the basketball stations, we used to call them. 
And um, Roly Massimino's secretary says, uh, hey, Coach Massimino wants to see you in his office. And I'm like, the hell does he want to see me for? I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, but I go in, I say, hey, good morning, Coach. He says, come on in. He goes, I have your boss on the phone. I'm like, Tom Pendens? He goes, yeah. He goes, I've, I've been talking to him. So he hands me the phone. And Tom says, uh, Jack, uh, you know, I know you're interviewing for other jobs. I don't want you to leave. He said, so we, you know, at the time uh, you had 15 scholarships. He said, uh, we're not going to, we had 14 guys on scholarship. He says, I'm not going to use the last basketball scholarship. I'm going to put you on basketball scholarship. So, uh, you know, who knows what you could do with that 15 scholarship. You might find a great player at the last minute. He said, you're really important to our program. You got a great future in this game. I don't want to lose you. And I'm going to put you on basketball scholarship where you now have a place to live off campus, uh, meal plan. We're going to pay you a stipend. Uh, you're going to have an opportunity to get your graduate degree and you remain on our coaching staff. Uh, he goes, cause I believe in you and you got a great future in this game. And I was like, Whoa. So to me, uh, I've been thinking a lot about that because he's being inducted in the hall of fame this weekend. And he saw something in me that at that time, when I was a young guy, I didn't see in myself. I love the game, but I didn't know what my potential was. And I guess my point is, uh, all of us in life have to find uh, a way to be able to help somebody else. That when you see a young lady, young man that has potential in whatever it may be, and we're talking basketball today, but it might be uh, song or dance or music or law or medicine or uh, broadcasting or whatever the case may be, that you have to be that person that pays it forward and says, Hey, I'm here for you to help you and mentor you and maybe help you get started in your career. So uh, I always find it really intriguing when uh, they ask very successful people in all walks of life kind of who their mentors were and why. Uh, And I think a lot of the reason why we get where we get is someone took a chance on us and believed in us. It's such a powerful story that you share, too, because when you think about the impact that he's made even just outside of working with you, it goes far beyond the world of basketball and it stretches through many different branches into the roots of every community that he was involved in. And that's why I think it's so fascinating when people, it, it, it seems like there's so many stories of people that talk about how come they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. But then as you get older, you see why they saw that in you, but that's what's part of the magic of that journey is when you're in, in university, you're not thinking, I'm going to work for the Toronto Raptors and I'm going to be a head coach in NCAA and the youngest in NCAA history. You're just thinking, I want to do what the people who inspired me did when I was a kid. Teach at a high school, teach history, and coach basketball, and that's it. That's all uh, that I, I'm asking for. But then when you're gifted with more, it just makes you really reflect a lot on how that journey has changed so much compared to what you thought and just how you've evolved in your career with the Raptors. And even, even when having read an article when you were talking about how when coaches are let go or players are let go released, 
they get to jump into the broadcast booth. So it almost seems like one of the longest, the, the greatest running scams because of the fact <laughs> that you go from being an idiot to an expert overnight. But at the end of the day, you did have that expertise in the first place. And there's always subjective reasons for people who are like, oh, whether it be a coach or a player. And I'm sure that you've felt very blessed with the opportunity you've had to become an adopted son to Canada with having worked in Toronto for the Raptors for over 20 years now. Yeah, I mean, and obviously I, I use a lot of self-deprecation and humor and all that. To, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. Uh, there are many days I pinch myself and, and say, you know, how does a knucklehead like me do something like this? And I'm, I'm really fortunate and very blessed to do it. Uh, it's been a great run. I, I enjoy what I do. Hope to do it for a while longer. Uh, so I've been I've been really lucky, and I feel very blessed to uh, to be an adopted son of Canada. Uh, it, it, people are wonderful. It's it's just been a great experience, and I feel I, I always joke I I'm like a caraway seed in the bakery of life. Uh, you know, I, you know I'm just one little small little speck. Uh, as we we try to promote the growth of the game of basketball in Canada and, you know, promote it through the Raptors, promote it through the NBA, but promote the game. And uh, I'm an ambassador for it. And uh, so to see now Canada being number two in the world in representation uh, in NBA players and to, uh, you know, have three Canadian players on the Raptors and uh, they all kind of, in their own way, say, hey, when I was younger, I grew up watching you do the games. And uh, it's very cool. It's really cool. Uh, and, and, and so I feel really fortunate that uh, I've had this opportunity and this platform. I take it very seriously. Uh, I try to do the best job I can do. I'm far from perfect. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, when you're in public life, I've been a coach. I've been a broadcaster. Uh, everyone's got their opinions. Uh, everyone thinks they can do it better. Uh, everyone can, thinks that they can do it a different way. But this is my style. This is my shtick. Uh, this is how I do it. And, uh, you know, it's worked out pretty good okay, so far. And uh, we'll see how much longer it lasts. But it's been, a, it's been a, fun, a fun run. I try my best every night to tell you why something happened, how something happened. I try to frame it for you. I try to give you a gem. I try to get you to reflect and teach a little bit about, you know, things that are happening in the game. I'll give you a little food for thought and also have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, it's funny. It's funny. I was watching. Uh, it was a carpool karaoke. It was a James Car- uh, Car- Carden. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. You know, the guy I'm talking about, the guy, mm-hmm. uh, James Carden. And I heard an interview with him. He was on with Howard Stern. And he was talking, and Howard Stern's a fabulous interviewer. He's probably the best interviewer I've ever heard. Uh, you, can, you can debate his humor, but when he has people on, uh, I've never heard a guy who does a better job interviewing people. And, but he, uh, James Corden said on the interview, he said, when I'm, when I, what I do for a living, I try to be joyful. I try to have joy. And I think that would be, uh, if you had to ask me kind of my style as a broadcaster, I try to be joyful. I try to have fun. Now there's going to be times I'm going to be blunt and very serious uh, and direct. 
maybe sometimes I shouldn't be as much, but uh, I am. Uh, but what you see is what you get. And, uh, but I try to be joyful and have fun with it and enthusiastic and excited about it. And I try to sell the Raptors and uh, I try to be fair to the opposing team and I try to be fair to the game. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's it, again, it, it, you can't win uh, because, you know, there's, there's always going to be a time where someone will say, well, you're a homer. Uh, then there's other times someone will say, uh, you were too hard on them. You know, like it, it just, you can't win. Uh, you can never win, but you just do the best you can and you try to call it the way you see it. You try to be fair to everybody and you try to uh, p- present and paint the game in as best a light as you can. And have fun doing it. And I think that of all the broadcasters that I've watched through football, basketball, I don't know if there's any ones that have as much fun as you do calling Raptors games. And you'd think growing up that someone as a kid would think, oh, this guy must, he must be Canadian. He loves the Raptors. He's so enthusiastic. But being from Brooklyn, you really bring the best flavor of the unique part of New York to Raptors broadcasts. And especially with your catchphrases having become iconic in the lore of Raptors basketball, I think that's part of what makes it also so fun to watch is because you don't want to watch a broadcast where it seems like you're listening to a university lecture. You want to watch a broadcast where you're able to laugh and have fun and smile, <laughs> but also sit down and reflect and think when you listen to some of the coaching points or keys to the game, because it is all about learning too, even while you're Yeah, no, it, it's funny you say that about the college lecture because, uh, you know, there, I mean, look, I, I feel pretty confident that I, I could, uh, talk at a whole nother level of kind of like what I'm seeing. And at the same time, like it, w- it would come off as a little bit arrogant because uh, I'm trying to like, Hey, Hey, I know more than you. No, I, no, I'm Joe bag of donuts. You know, I'm calling the game for Joe six pack sit, sitting on his couch, watching the game. And I want to keep his attention or her attention. I want, I want them to say, Hey, you know, the game is yeah, one night. It's great. Another night. It might not be great, but Hey, I'm going to tune in and stay tuned in. Cause the, you know, they're having some fun and they're entertaining and I'm learning something. Uh, so to me, uh, that that's part of being an ambassador. That's part of, you know, there's been a lot of good seasons with the Raptors and a lot of good games. Those are easy. Uh, when things aren't good and the team's not good and the team's getting beat or struggling that night, that's when you got to do your best work and you have to be able to have fun and, and be positive and be able to as well to, uh, to, to present the reality of what's going on and be fair to all sides. It's a great point because for those who would just have watched Raptors more recently, they would sit back and think, oh, this must be easy because we're enjoying the ride and the Raptors are great and we the North and Drake's jumping on the broadcast and he's having fun. But for those that watched when I was growing up in the era when making the playoffs was like winning the championship, it's definitely not as easy. And having seen a 22 and 60 season or 23 and 43 or 34 and 48, a stretch of really uh, years where they really struggled. It's not easy. And that's part of what makes, and as a, as one of my favorite teachers once told me, you know, the, the great artist makes the performance look really easy. That's what makes them brilliant. And that's how you guys credit to you and Matt for being able to do a great job during those years when the Raptors are struggling. 
it's always a lot more difficult than people think because they don't see the behind the scenes or they don't know what has to go into a broadcast to make it entertaining if the team's getting smoked by 30. Yeah, no, and, and you know as a former athlete, uh, you know, just uh, losing's very easy. It's very easy. Winning's really hard. It's really hard. And at the same time, uh, putting on a average broadcast is pretty easy. You could just show up and not be prepared and kind of wing it. To be good at it, you got to really put the time in, and, and it's got to come natural, and it's got to sound natural. But, like, Matt, he has a shtick. I have a shtick. You know, like, we're prepared. We're ready for this. Uh, we've paid our dues, you know. Uh, and the same with a Chuck Swirsky, who I worked with, and a Paul Jones, and a uh, Leo Routens, and a Rod Black, and a Kayla Gray, and a Kate Burness, and all the different great people I've worked with over the years. They all are very dedicated, professional, high-end people, you know, and, and they're really good at what they do. So uh, it, 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 it's, but to me, it's just a, a fun, a fun gig and it's really enjoyable. Uh, and there's a method to our madness, you know, and, uh, uh, but it, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things too. I think when you look at uh, calling Raptor games, our situation is different than any other situation in the league. We are calling games on national television. The other 29 teams are calling games on a regional basis. So uh, you're calling games on a national network too, you know, like calling the games on TSN and my colleagues that call them on Sportsnet. This is not uh, some little small cable network. You know, this is like the real deal. So, uh, you have to call a game that is obviously Raptor centric. And at the same time, it has to have a little bit of a national feel to it. And it has to have an objectivity to it as well about, because you're calling an NBA game about, you know, you're calling NBA basketball. So it's a, it's always a balancing act of, of trying to kind of uh, uh, make all the masters happy. Uh, and serve a lot of different elements of it, but it's 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 a challenging, but it's a really fun fun experience. It is great fun for you guys, and also for all the fans watching at home. And Jack, we are getting towards the end of our time on today's episode, so I wanted to ask three questions to have a little more fun and wrap up before we part for today. Okay. So, the first question is: What is your favorite? era of history to talk about to study and just to really dive into wow uh hmm. uh i would say uh probably unfortunately the great depression and kind of coming out of world war one and then the great boom of the 20s the roaring 20s and then uh the real challenging times of depression and what we learned as a country uh, or as a, as a world about ourselves and how uh, important it is to be resilient. And then uh, the world goes to war again, uh, 1939 uh, and, and just that period. So that period between, I guess that period between world war one, the depression 
and then uh, World War II is a fascinating study on resiliency and, and, and a fascinating, and the world, it's funny, you know, I, I, I was born in 1963, and I, and I, so I, I remember the Vietnam War and what, what took place, and, you know, and, and a lot of uh, older guys in my neighborhood had fought in World War II and fought in Korea, uh, and, you know, now a, a major percentage of them aren't with us anymore. You know, and and uh, but I feel like uh, it's a again like a fascinating study about just uh, that uh, it's you know to to see uh, I'll never forget when we the Raptors played in London. I went to the uh, went the the, the bunker uh, that Winston Churchill would live in every night when London was being bombed every night. You know and. Uh, how he led a nation through some incredibly difficult times. And so, uh, and obviously my mom, uh, my mom is 94. She was born in 1927, chatting with her. And she grew up in Ireland and immigrated to the United States. And uh, just the challenges and uh, why people, why people immigrate, you know, why, you know, opportunity. Uh, I think Canada is a wonderful place because there's so many, uh, people that have just gotten there uh, or first generation. And I love that because I'm first generation. You know, I, I my, my parents came from nothing. Uh, my dad came over on a boat from Ireland. My mom came over on a, on a plane, went to Iceland and then uh, Gander, Nova Scotia, and then down to New York and uh, came from nothing. And uh, so I'm living the American dream and the Canadian dream. And so to me, I just I, I think that I guess the word probably it's a long winded answer, but I think resiliency is a big thing in everything. Second question is, what is your favorite crime or gangster movie? <laughs> Got to ask uh, someone from Brooklyn. It's it's a must. <laughs> I would say uh, I would say Goodfellas is an amazing movie. Uh, I, 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 uh, one of my all-time favorite songs, uh, Layla by Derek and the Dominoes at the end of that movie, the last scene in that movie, everybody's getting whacked. Uh, and, uh, that is a, um, that's a great movie. Probably the other one I really like is, uh, The Departed. Uh, that's a star studded, uh, and it's kind of a loose interpretation of Whitey Bulger, uh, in Boston. And Jack Nicholson is just fabulous in that movie. Uh, and there's a lot of great actors in that movie. Uh, and obviously, I'm Irish from Brooklyn, but there's Irish music in it, uh, uh, you know, all that. So probably those would be the two movies that I, I, I would say uh, jump off the page at me. The final question I have for you is what is one word to describe what it feels like and what it means to you to be a father of three? Wow. Uh, I don't know if I could use one word. Uh, pride. Joy. Love. I think those would be the. Um, I'm blessed. You know, I, uh, you know, I, my wife was the women's soccer coach at Niagara. She was a division one head coach as well. Uh, I talk about earlier thanking that ball. I don't have uh 
that person in my life who I totally overachieved. I mean, I not only hit a home run, I hit a grand slam with her. She's the best. And um, uh, being able to adopt three boys, and uh, it's been an incredible ride. It's not easy. Parenthood uh, is really challenging. It's a lot of work. Uh, It's very joyful, very frustrating. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of laughs. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of great, great times. But as I always say, there's a lot of twists and turns and ups and downs. But I think, you you, you know, you, you stick to your guns and you tell them what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear. And you give them tough love. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think too often now nobody wants to offend anybody. Nobody wants to be direct. And I think there's times where you got to say, hey, you know what? I want you here. And you're only here right now. That's not good enough. We got to get to here. And here's some things we have to do to improve. I love you. I care for you. I got your back. I'm there with you every step of the journey. But this is your potential. And you're only here right now. I see this in you. You know, like I'm seeing the forest. You're seeing the tree. You know, and uh, it's my job to kind of stretch you out. Uh, I had a great, uh, you know, I talk about history teacher, uh, my ninth grade history teacher in, in uh, high school, Mr. Kennedy, he said to our class one time, and it always stuck with me, and I'm sounding like an old guy here, but the Eagles, uh, great band, they have a song called Already Gone. And in the song, uh, Mr. Kennedy said to him, he goes, here's my job. Because my job, he goes, sometimes you can see the stars, but you can't see the light. Because you, you guys all see the stars because it's my job to show you the light. And I think whether that be as a parent, as a coach, as a mentor, uh, in any way, it's our job to help you see the light. So I try my best uh, as, a, as a father. Uh, I've tried my best as a coach. I've tried my best as a, a friend or a mentor or whatever. To always try to say, here's the light, and you're better than even what you think, and let's get there. And I'm I'm here to help you get there. Jack, those are very powerful words and great reflection to live by and to always think of because I love that analogy. People will sometimes they see the trees, but you can't you can't see the forest. It's it's very true, and it's very important for us to always consider. And with that, I want to thank you for having been on today's episode. It was a great pleasure to chat basketball with you and also about the great things that carry us forward in life to always reach our potential. So thank you very much. Well, it's been an honor and a privilege. And uh, and good luck to you in your budding uh, broadcast career and as you come to Toronto to start your new chapter in, the, in, in that. And I want to wish you all the best. And uh, hopefully we'll cross paths somewhere down the road. Thank you very much for the kind words and thank you to the listener for taking in today's episode with Raptors and March Madness basketball analyst, Jack Armstrong. First and goal from the one. This is it. Stiegel. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Check out our social media pages for more at huddleup 
underscore MB. For full audio, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For full video, head over to YouTube at Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Tune in next week for another great episode. See you next time. If you're like most people, you strive to eat healthy as much as you can, but it gets really difficult when life gets in the way. We get busy, we're running around doing lots of things, it's hard. Being able to eat healthy on the go is super important more than ever now, and that's why I'm here to tell you about G2G Protein Bars. They're the best protein bar for eating healthy on the go. It's made with all natural ingredients, they're fresh, it tastes like homemade, but it's even better. G2G Bars have 18 grams of protein and are gluten-free. With eight different flavors, there's so many different things that you can enjoy about the great tastes of G2G bars and what they have to offer. They're fresh, healthy, and delicious. Make sure to get yours at g2gbar.ca or at your local retailer in Canada or the U.S.